to us, that we would learn from the Bible, and Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say the words that you would have me to say, in your precious name I pray, amen. Alright, well we're there in Matthew chapter number 4, and um, I need you to understand something as we're going through the book of Matthew, and and I understand that we're normally going through the book of Matthew. Remember last week we dealt with the baptism, or on I shouldn't say last week, but Wednesday night we dealt with the baptism of Jesus Christ there in Matthew chapter 3. Now you need to understand, when we started Matthew, we started going through the genealogy of Christ, we went through the birth of Christ, and then we're going through some events here before Jesus begins his ministry. Now, you, uh, look, look at verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, in verse 17 of chapter 4 in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus begins his public ministry. Okay? But before he could do that, he had to get baptized, and before he could begin the ministry, and after his baptism, he had to be tempted of the devil. Now, if you look at verse 1, it says then. Okay? That's letting us know that these are events happening in chronology. He got baptized, and after he was baptized, it says then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, I want you to notice this, okay? Have you ever heard somebody say this, a preacher say this, somebody pray this? You know, oftentimes people pray, God, I want to be led of the Spirit. You ever heard somebody say that? You know, we our, our lives should be led of the Spirit. God should be leading us. And I want you to understand this, okay? Here you have Jesus Christ being led. You see that? Okay, do you see the words? Then was Jesus led up of the who? The Spirit. That's a capital S. That is the Holy Spirit, okay? And where is He led to? Into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay? Keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1. Keep in mind that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or all the Gospels of Jesus Christ, a lot of them will have overlapping stories. They're called parallel passages. They'll deal with the same story, but they'll have different aspects that we can learn from it. This morning we saw the parable of the wise man in two books, Matthew and Luke. Same story, but we get different aspects of it. In Mark chapter number 1, if you look at verse number 12, here we find the same uh, story of Jesus... And notice what it says. And immediately, the capitalized spirit drives him into the wilderness. Do you see that? I mean, he's not only being led of the spirit. I mean, the spirit is like dragging him there. The spirit is driving him into the wilderness. Go to Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. You're there in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Luke chapter 4. Verse 1. Maybe you've heard people say this, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to, I want to have the Spirit of God fill me. I want to have uh, uh, the Spirit of God on my life. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Notice what it says here in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So Jesus was full of the Spirit. He was led of the Spirit. He was driven of the Spirit. Look what it says. He was full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. Here's what you need to understand. There are movements today that preach what's called the prosperity gospel. And what they'll preach is this. If you're broke... You must have sin in your life. If you're sick, 
It's because of your lack of faith. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. God wants no bad things to happen in your life. You should never have any struggles. And they'll go around and they'll take money from people to heal them and to pray for them. And, to get, and then, you know, they'll pray for someone to get healed. And then when that person doesn't get healed, they'll say, well, it's because of your lack of faith. It's because you didn't believe. You need to understand this. Sometimes you can be filled with the Spirit, you can be led of the Spirit, you can be right with God. Did God not just say in the last verse of chapter 3, this is my son and my beloved son and whom I am well pleased? You understand that? Was God not pleased with Jesus Christ? Was He not led of the Spirit? Was He not full of the Spirit? Was He not driven by the Spirit? But I mean, sometimes you can be right with God and doing everything you're supposed to do, and it is still God's will for you to go to the wilderness and meet Satan. You understand that? Sometimes, you know, sometimes we, 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 we are in the spirit. It will be in a spiritual battle heading up with Satan or devils. And we'll say, what have I done wrong? Why is God doing this to me? What, you know, is there sin in my life? And you don't understand. You may be right with God, led with the spirit, full of the spirit, right smack down in the will of God. And that's exactly where God wants you. Jesus wanted him. That's where God wanted you. Do you understand that? It's an interesting thought. Sometimes God leads us. This morning we talked about the storms. Sometimes God leads us straight into a storm. You say, why would God do that? Are you there in John chapter 15? Look at verse 1. John chapter 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, I, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Now I want you to notice this, okay? Verse 2. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Father's a husbandman. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. Okay? What does he do with it? He taketh away. You see that? So there's a branch that's not bearing fruit. He doesn't deal with it. He has no time for that. He look, look, God has no time for a branch that will not bear fruit. He just takes it away. Notice what it says though. And every branch that beareth fruit. You see that? Okay? Is that a good branch that's bearing fruit? Would you say that's a bad branch that's bearing fruit? You want your branches bearing fruit, right? You want a tree that's going to produce fruit. So every branch that beareth fruit, look what he does to it. He purgeth it. You see that? You know what purge means? It means to cleanse. And the way you cleanse it is by removing and cutting the, the leaves, the death, the things that are not going to allow you to produce fruit. Now you've got to understand this. The purging is a hurtful process. To get purged and to get cleansed is not a fun thing. And sometimes we have to go through the fire. Sometimes we have to go through the storm. Sometimes we got to go through the battle. Sometimes we got to get in the wilderness by ourselves and be tempted of the devil and it's God's will because he's purging you. Now here's what you got to say. You and I think if God's purging me, it's because I'm in sin. If God's purging me, it's because I'm doing something wrong. If, I, if God's purging me, it's because he's mad at me. But you got to understand this. Sometimes God is purging you because you're doing exactly what he wants. It says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. Why? That it may bring forth more fruit. See, God will cleanse you and God will, will, will make you better. Why? You say, because you're, you're producing a little bit of fruit. And he said, I want to get more fruit out of you. So I'm going to get rid of some of the things that are inhibiting that fruit. 
He said, I'm going to cut off some of these dead branches. I'm going to get rid of some of these leaves that are not producing anything. And I, I'm going to, it's going to hurt a little bit, and it's going to take you back a little bit, but in the end result, you'll bear more fruit. I'm trying to tell you that if Verity Baptist Church is going to reach more people than it's reaching now, we're going to have to go through a purging process. You, you, you just, just, I, I, I'm warning you right now, just get, you know, you, you may say, I'm excited, Pastor, about the new building. I hope you are. I'm excited about <clears throat> giving money. I, I really hope you're there, okay? I, I, I want our church to reach more people. I want our church to grow. I want us to help. And you say, why do you want to grow? That's more people saved. That's more people baptized. That's more people learning the Bible. Hey, you can't go wrong with more people learning the Bible. That's more uh, marriages being helped, families being helped, uh, 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 believers being strengthened. But I, you got to understand this. If we're going to bear more fruit, we've borne some fruit, but if we're going to bear more fruit, God's going to have to purchase. At this point, Jesus had already accomplished a lot. But God says before, He says, I'm glad you got baptized. But before we begin the real work of the ministry that I sent you on this earth to do, He said, I, I gotta just take you to the wilderness. Now we understand that Jesus had no sin, but He is an example for us. And listen, before God ever really begins to use anyone, He always takes them through the wilderness. Why do you think the children of Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years before they went into Canaan land? Right. Why do you think Jesus went to the wilderness before He started His ministry? God needs to purge us. God needs to prove us. God needs to cleanse us. And sometimes you're heading off with the devil and you're wondering, what did I do wrong? And you may have done absolutely nothing wrong. It may be God's will for you to be there. Because Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Go back to Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 2. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2. Verse 1, we saw that he was led up of the Spirit. In verse 2, the Bible says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. There's only three people in the Bible that the Bible records have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That's Moses, that's Elijah, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And fasting for 40 days and 40 nights is no joke. If you've ever tried fasting, I mean, you need to have God on your side to be able to do that. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger. Okay? And some people will say that's proof that it was not a water fast, because if he had been fasting water, obviously he'd be more thirsty than hungry, the Bible say. We'll say that he was thirsty. Now, we understand that your body can't go 40 days without water. Moses fasted 40 days, 40 nights, food and water. That was a miracle that God performed to keep him alive. I believe the reason that Jesus did not do a water fast, because you've got to remember, uh, I'm, uh, uh, a water fast of 40 days, 40 nights, you've got to remember, one of the reasons Jesus was on earth to set an example for us. Okay? So if Jesus would have fasted 40 days and 40 nights, but he would have fasted water, that would have been a miracle of God to keep him alive. That's not exactly a testimony for you and I. Do you know, I personally know of human beings that are alive today that have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, it's possible to do. But, I mean, I, I, would, I would advise you to be very careful with that. You know, don't kill yourself. But go to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. I want you to understand something, okay? When we go into physical battle, let's say you're, you're going to be one of these fighters, you know, these MMA fighters or kickboxing or boxing or something like that. Okay, when someone is getting ready for a fight... What do they do? Months, definitely weeks, months, maybe years before that fight. 
They begin to train their body. They begin to build their body. A physical fight, a physical battle, we begin to beef up our flesh. But what's interesting is, in a spiritual battle, the best way to get ready for a spiritual warfare is not to beef up your flesh, but to actually weaken your flesh. I mean, do you think it would make sense to not eat for 40 days and 40 nights and to get yourself physically weak in order to get ready to do battle with Satan? But see, the way to do spiritual battle, the best way to do anything spiritual is with a weak flesh. Do you understand that? When your flesh is not in control. Are you in Philippians chapter 3? Look at verse 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now, notice what it says. This should be you. This should be me. This should be our motto. And have no confidence in the flesh. Our confidence should not be in our flesh, in our ability, in our talent, in the fact that we can do something. Our confidence should always be a spiritual confidence in, in God and in the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God and in Jesus Christ. So see, Jesus was led into the wilderness to, to battle with Satan. And how did he prepare? He didn't begin to lift weights. He didn't begin to do push-ups. He didn't start doing sit-ups. I'm not against doing all that. Okay, I mean, I don't do all that, but I'm not against doing all that. Okay? But what did he do? He fasted for 40 days. And let me tell you something. You want to get close to God, start denying your flesh of things at once. That's the way to get your spiritual man to strengthen, is by denying your flesh. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I wake up every day and I tell my flesh, you're not in charge, you're not running the show. He, he said, you know, and fasting is a form of denying your flesh and letting your flesh know you're not in control, flesh. Well, I want to eat. Well, well, we'll eat when I say we'll eat. I, I don't, I don't want to do this right now. Well, you're not, you're not running my life, flesh. Spiritual things are running my flesh. Okay, so Jesus fasted because we are they that have no confidence in the flesh. Go back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Okay, now in the temptations of Jesus Christ, when Jesus was tempted, there are three temptations that Satan put him through. In verse 3, now you've got to understand the context, okay? Jesus in the wilderness, by himself, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting. He's hungry. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 3. And when the tempter, that's Satan, and by the way, that's what the Bible calls him, he's the tempter. When the tempter came to him, he said, now notice what Satan says, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now I want you to notice something, okay? If you like to take notes in your Bible, I don't know that phrase. If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. Now, it's interesting, because Satan shows up and immediately doubts whether Jesus is who God said he is. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. Satan says... If you're the Son of God, then do this. Okay? Go back to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew 3, 16, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. Okay, so if you've got a voice from heaven looking down at Jesus, saying, This is my Son, then who's speaking? The Father. Right? God the Father. So he says, the God the Father from heaven audibly is looking down at Jesus, getting baptized, knows what he says. This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. Okay, so here's the question. According to God the Father, who spoke audibly from heaven, who is Jesus Christ? The Son. This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. What's the first question that the tempter brings up to Jesus? If thou be the Son of God. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. God will declare things in the Bible. God will say, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart the God of grace from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God says, If you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, I'll save you. God says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God says, I promise you eternal life. God says, I cannot lie. If I said you've got eternal life, then it's eternal life. It's never going to end. It's everlasting. God says, I will save you. God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to pass. I mean, all throughout the Bible, God says, hey, if you get born again, I'll make you my son. I'll make you my daughter. I'll bring you into my family. And the tempter comes along and says, Are you really the son of God? Really you ever battled with, am I really saved? I mean, I think everybody has asked the question, am I really saved? Especially kids, when they grow up in church, you know, they'll get saved. I, I did that. I was saved, I believe I was saved at the age of four years old. But for years, I, I struggled with the assurance of myself. Now, here's the thing, though. If God already declared in chapter 3, this is my son, why are we bringing up the question, is this the son? You understand that? If God already said it's eternal life, why are we doubting whether it's eternal life or not? See, Satan wants to cast doubt upon the Word of God. God says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Satan says, well, if thou be the Son of God. Well, that's what God said. Well, I know that's what God said, but is it really true? And that's what you and I like to do. Well, God said eternal life, but, but could He really give me eternal life? Well, if God said it, why are you doubting it? If God said it, why, why, why are we doubting God's Word? See, Satan always wants to cast doubt upon God's word. He says, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, I want you to notice this. The first, there's three temptations. Temptation number one was a physical flesh temptation. Jesus was hungry. The Bible says that. He was in hunger. So what does Satan does? He says, well, listen, if you're really who you say you are, or if you're really who God says you are, then why do you not command these stones to be made bread? Now look, he's hungry and he's being tempted to make stones into bread. You understand that? It's a physical test. It's a physical, fleshly temptation. I'm here to tell you, Satan is going to come and tempt you. And when he tempts you, the first temptation will always be a temptation of your flesh. What your flesh desires. What your flesh wants. But I, I, I'm really hungry. So he says, well, if you're hungry, why don't you eat this? If you're really who you say you are. Now, it's interesting Jesus' response. Look at verse 4. But he answered and said, Jesus says this, it is written. Now, Jesus is going to quote from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to go back and look at it. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
And I, I want you to I want you to see where this is quoted from. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter eight in the in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter eight. I'm studying the Bible, so you might want to write this down as a cross reference. Matthew four four, Deuteronomy chapter eight. And look at verse number two. Uh, here's what I think is interesting. I don't know if you guys find this stuff as interesting as I do. But Jesus, okay, has been in the wilderness for 40 days, right? He's hungry, and he's being tempted with bread. And he quotes, just, just imagine how, how much Jesus knows the word. I mean, he is the word, right? But he quotes out of Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Now, what's interesting is, look at verse 2, okay? And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God... Now, this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. you got to understand the context, okay? And he says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God... Make note of this word, led. Okay? Was Jesus led into the wilderness? Yes, he was, right? How the Lord thy God led thee, these... What's that say? Forty years in the wilderness. How Jesus was led forty days into the wilderness being tempted of the devil with bread, and he responds with a quote from Deuteronomy 8-2, where Moses is speaking to the children of Israel of how they were led into the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Look what it says, verse 2, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. By the way, that's why God leads us to the wilderness. Sometimes it's to humble you. God can't use proud people. Sometimes it's to prove you, to test you. Someone is sometimes is to know what is in thine heart. Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Look at verse 3. And he humbled thee and suffered. The word suffered means allowed. He allowed thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. Why did he feed him with manna? That he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Doth man live? Uh, it's interesting that Jesus, you know, here's what you need to understand. Jesus finds himself, here's what he's thinking. Satan shows up, he's hungry. Satan says, Well, if you're really what you say you are, why don't you make these stones bread? And Jesus goes back in his mind to the Word of God, and he finds a passage that pretty much fits the same context as his situation, and then quotes that passage to Satan. I mean, that's remarkable Bible study. You know what Jesus was doing? Wasn't only hearing it, but he was doing it. He was taking it and then applying it to his life. Right. Good. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 25. Here's what he's trying to say. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Here's what Jesus is trying to teach us. There is more to life than only physical needs. There is more to life than only physical needs. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew 6.25, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet to your body, what you shall put on. Look what it says. Is not the life more than meat? The word meat in the Bible means food. It's not the same word as our word meat. Our word meat in the King James Bible is flesh. And our word food in the King James Bible is meat. He says, is not the life more than meat? Is life, isn't life more than a food? That's what he's saying. And the body, than raiment, the word raiment means clothing. Here's what Jesus is saying. He said, isn't your life more than what you eat? Isn't your life more than the clothes you put on? Now listen to me. For most worldly 
people that are not saved, that do not have a purpose, that do not have a reason for even existing on this earth, that have been told that they came from an animal, that they came from a man, from a from a monkey, and, and, and there's no creator, there's no reason why they did. Look, for most people in this world, that's all life is: what I eat and what I put on. That's right. What I drive, where I live, the things of this flesh. For believers, it not not be so. Life is more than physical need. And when Jesus was tempted physically, I know you're hungry. If you're the Son of God, why don't you make these stones bread? And Jesus responds, Life is more than food. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone. He said, But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, feeding your spiritual man is more important than feeding your physical man. The first temptation was a temptation of the flesh. Go back to Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Here we'll find the second temptation. The second temptation, the Bible says, Then the devil taketh them up into the holy city. Okay, so they were in the wilderness. Did you catch this? They were in the wilderness, and now, in, in verse 4, they're in the wilderness. Verse 5, they're in the city. And it's more than just in the city. He set him on a pinnacle of the temple. You know, the word pinnacle means the highest point, the culmination, the peak. I don't know how this works, but I mean, there's some supernatural stuff going on here. Do you understand this? They go from being in the wilderness, to all of a sudden they're in the city, and they are in the pinnacle of the temple. I don't know how that works. I don't know if other people can see them, but I mean, it's not like they had elevators back then. You know what I mean? I mean, they're on the roof of the temple. Verse 6, And he saith unto him, and notice what Satan says. Here's, here's temptation number two. What was temptation number one? Physical flesh. And I'm here to tell you, your flesh is going to be tempted. Satan's going to tempt you with the lust of the eyes, with the pride of life, with the lust of the flesh, with the things of this world. But notice the second temptation. Verse 6. And say unto him, If thou be the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, if you are who God says you are, Cast thyself down. Now, where are they? At the pinnacle of the temple, right? The, the highest point of the temple. He says, if you're really who you say you are, throw yourself off this building. Cast thyself down. Now, notice this. I, 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 would, I would circle this or write this down if I was you. For it is written. Okay, who's speaking? Yeah. yeah. Not Jesus. These words aren't in red. Okay, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dost dash thy foot against thy stone. Okay, He just quoted from the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 91. Let me, I want you to see it. Psalm 91, verse 11. Psalm 91, verse 11. Matthew 4, 6, if you're taking notes. Matthew 4, 6, your cross-reference there is Psalm 91, 11. This is Bible study, right? So you should be studying the Bible. Psalm 91, look at verse 11. Psalm 91, 11, I want you to see this, okay? The, Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12 are quoted in Matthew chapter 4, verse 6. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Okay, let me answer your question, okay? Is Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, in the Bible? That's your question. Obviously, it's in the Bible. Did we not see it in Psalm 91, 11, verse 12? Okay, it's in the Bible. Alright? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, Satan quoted 
Matthew 91, 11 and 12, he said, for it is written, and then he quoted the word of God. Okay? Now, I don't want you to miss this. I, want you, I, I, I don't want you to skip over this. Do you realize, did you notice, Satan, the tempter, the devil, Lucifer, just quoted scripture to Jesus Christ to try to get him to sin. So what can we learn from that? Look, not everybody that knocks on your door with a Bible under their arm is necessarily a good person. Do you understand that? Amen. Not everybody that comes to your door quoting scripture necessarily has the best intention. Right? Hey, Satan can quote scripture just like anybody else. That's right. Amen. Just because you can quote a scripture doesn't mean you necessarily have the best intention in mind. Because you know what he was doing? Mis- not misquoting, but quoting a scripture out of context. The, the hardest part for a new believer, you know, people think, well, anybody who stands up with the Bible, you know, I can learn from them. And you want to listen to every TV preacher on TV, every guy on YouTube that has the Bible. Look, I, I'm on YouTube. I'm not against you listening to preaching on YouTube. But you better make sure you listen to somebody on YouTube. You listen to somebody on the Internet. You listen to somebody on the television. You better make sure they're preaching the Bible. And not just because they came to you with a verse, you're going to take everything they say as gospel. The Bereans said that they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. John says to try the spirits, whether they be of God. Just look, Satan will quote scripture. Say, well, I, I, I listen to anybody that opens the Bible. Make sure they're using it right. Make sure you're not just being uh, led. The Pharisees quoted scripture. Satan uses scripture. Now, now here's what he says, okay? Here's what you understand. Look at verse 7. Matthew 4, verse 7. Okay? And it's Bible study. Remember, we're pretending like it's Wednesday night. Okay, so I'm going to go a little uh, more into theology than, than just preaching. And I want you to understand what I'm about to say, and I don't really care which way you come down on this. I just want you to understand both sides, okay? Verse 7, most Baptists will interpret verse 7 as this. They'll say, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay? Now, most, most Baptists I've ever heard will say, Jesus right there just called himself God. Okay, now, please understand what I'm saying. I believe Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay? I, I think I made that clear this morning. The Bible says, you know, uh, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't necessarily believe that this is a verse that is proving that. If you believe that, that's fine with me. We still be friends. Okay? You have every right to be wrong. All right? <laughs> but here, a lot of people will say, they'll say, because Jesus just got tempted. Right? And then he responds with, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So people say, like, see, he just got tempted, and he says, hey, don't tempt God. And you just tempted me. Don't tempt me, because I'm God. Now look, if, if that's how you want to see it, and that's your view, I'm totally okay with that. I don't necessarily see it that way, and let me explain to you why not. In Psalm 91, 11 and 12, let's, let me read it for you again. This is a scripture that Satan just used to tempt Jesus. The scripture is this. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against thee stone. This is a scripture promising the preservation, the divine preservation of a believer, specifically Jesus Christ here, by God. Okay? God promised that He'll give His angels charge over Jesus to keep Him in His ways, and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now, here's what you understand, okay? God promised, in Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, preservation, divine preservation, from danger. 
But just because God promised that He would protect Jesus does not give Jesus a right to then uh, uh, purposely put Himself in danger. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan said to him, God promised to protect you. If that's true, then throw yourself out of this pinnacle. And see if he does what he said. Now look, God promises to protect you. There are many promises in Scripture, but God doesn't promise against stupidity. You understand that? Or, you know, here's the way to, to apply that incorrectly. Psalm 91.11, verse 12 says, God's going God's to gonna protect me. So I'm just going to go out and walk right in the middle of Interstate, you know, I-80. And God's going to protect me. Look, you're going to get run over. You understand that? People will hear me preach about tithing. Like, I'm not ashamed to preach about tithing. I, I don't preach about it a lot. We don't talk about money a lot around here, but when we do preach it, I'm not ashamed about it. It's in the Bible. But I'll, I'll go to that uh, uh, passage in Malachi, and I'll show there where, where God says, you know, will a man rob God? He robbed me. And he says, look, and he says, you know, he, he, he says, put me up to the challenge. He says, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. That is a promise from God. I believe it. I have witnessed it. I've been tithing my whole life. I I thank God that I had a mom and dad that taught me how to tithe when I'm from a young man and did not teach me to have a love of money. I I have, you know, I I give my tithe to God. I have no problem with it. Some people, you know, you see them tithe and it's like, oh. You know, the offering, the, the offering plan goes by. It's like, look, you, you got to get... I'm just saying my goodbyes. <laughs> you know. I miss you, Lincoln. It's like, it's a $5 bill. Just put it in. <laughs> Lincoln, you know, our relationship. You know, some people are like, man, they're like losing relatives. Okay? I'm, I'm not like that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was raised in a family. I said, look, money, money comes and goes. Just, just give it to God. Okay, but, you, but here's the thing. Sometimes people will come to this church. I mean, they are, they are just in debt... They've got, you know, 17 payday loans. They, 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 I mean, they just, they, they've got, you know, people that want to break their knees because they own money. And they hear me preach about tithing. They tithe one time. And they come back to life. It didn't work. You said that God was going to open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. And I didn't want that. I'm like, that's not how it works. You understand, you understand what I'm going to say? I hope this is making sense to you. Maybe I'm just tired. Of we'll call this good and go home in a little bit, Okay. <laughs> You cannot take a promise from the Bible that says that God is going to protect you and then say, throw yourself out of this building and see if God does it. That is not the way to properly understand Scripture. Does that make sense? The second temptation was a temptation on questioning God's Word. Satan quoted Scripture to justify sin, and not everyone who carries a Bible is necessarily a good person. He says, look, the Bible says this. If that's true, why don't you throw yourself off this building? And Jesus responds, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He says, Look, God made that promise, but I'm not going to tempt God to see if he's really who he says. Look, do you understand that God, we talked about this in the book of Judges, God is not a lucky charm. God is not one of those little, you know, rabbit foots you put in your rear view mirror. God is not obligated to bail you out. You understand that? And when Satan says, look, the Bible says here that God is going to do this for you. So why don't you throw yourself out of this building and see if it's true? Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I believe it was a reference to 
a verse. If you want to take it as a reference, I don't know, there's enough verses to prove the deity of Jesus Christ. I don't need to take Matthew 4, 7 to prove that. If you disagree with me, that's fine. Matthew chapter 4, like verse 8. Again, the devil taking them up into an exceeding high mountain and show them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, here's temptation number three, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now you gotta understand this, okay? This is what Satan wanted the whole time. Go, go with me just real quick. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. We're, we're almost done. Isaiah chapter 14. I'm not going through the entire book. The entire chapter. I'm only dealing with the temptation tonight. Isaiah 14 verse 12. Isaiah 14 verse 12. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. This is a... This is about Satan. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, notice what Satan says. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You know what Satan wants from Jesus is to be worshipped? You know what Satan wants from everyone is to be worshipped? That's what it all comes down to. You know why Satan will meet you in the wilderness and attempt to fight you? Because he wants to bring you to the place where you just bow down and worship him. See, the first temptation had to do with flesh. The second temptation had to do with, with questioning God's word and taking it out of context. But the third temptation is just a temptation to just completely reject God altogether and worship the devil. He said, look, I'll give you all of this and you just fall down and worship me right now. Now what's interesting is look at the same passage in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 6. Luke chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, we compare scriptures and we can learn from them. Especially if you find parallel passages, you can always compare them and see what you can learn from. You bring them together and you can learn from all of them. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 6. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 6. Luke chapter 4 and verse 6. Same story, different gospel. The Bible says, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. Now notice what Satan says. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Did you catch what Satan just said? He said, I'm going to give you all of this. He said, I'll, I'll give you, you know, all the kingdoms of the world, and all the glory of them. And he says, they were delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. you got to understand this, okay? God is in control of everything. We understand that. But Satan being allowed by God for a season, is in charge of this world. Do you understand that? Right. Satan runs this world. Right. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me just prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible says, in whom the... God, you see how it says, uh, has a lowercase g there? In whom the God of this world 
hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of, capital G, God, should shine unto them. Do you see that? Okay. So the God of this world is different than the God of the gospel of Christ. Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Look at verse 31. John chapter 12, verse 31. John chapter 12, verse 31. John chapter 12, verse 31. John 12, 31, the Bible says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Okay, the prince of this world is Satan. Okay, the God of this world is Satan. You understand this? God, Satan is running this world. That's so why people come to our church and say, you know, why don't we liven up this, your, your church service, some, some, you know, some worldly, some more, you know, music from like the world, you know, like, like from today. Think about what I want to bring in Satan's music into the house, into the house of God. You understand that? See, we understand, not everybody that comes to you with the Bible necessarily has God's will in mind. And, Anything that comes from the world, definitely, that sure did not come from God. Imagine. For all that is in the world, the lust of the blood, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Every time you get in your car, you turn on the radio, and you listen to whatever, you know, your little music that you grew up on when you were a teenager, I'm going to tell you, you're not putting into your mind the music that came from God. You're putting in your mind the music that came from the God of this world. The philosophies of this world. The prince of this world. And the Bible says that we are not to be conformed to this world. And when Satan says to Jesus, I'm running this world, I'll give you the kingdom. Jesus said, not interested. And when you get to the idea, well, I I like the music that this world has to offer. Our response ought to be, not interested. Thanks but no thanks, lowercase g. I'm interested in serving the capital G, God. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. He says, Get out of here. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then he says, I'll give you all this if you serve me. Look, there are, there are movie stars and rock stars that have fell on their knees to worship Satan, to have the things of this world. Right. There are politicians that have fell on their knees to worship Satan, to have the kingdoms of this world. But the response is, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Go to Matthew chapter 6. So the temptations were this. A temptation of the flesh. A temptation of doubting God's word. And a temptation of worshiping someone other than God. Let me just apply it to your life. Here's what Satan will do. You say, you say, well, I never get tempted with bread. That's because you're never fat. <laughs> start fasting, you might start getting tempted with bread. But see, it's not. The, it's it's a temptation of the desires of our flesh. Here's what Satan will do. You know, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you could work some overtime and make some more money. I'm kind of hungry. And when you give in to that temptation, you, and, and then you start thinking, you say, well, you know, the, the Bible says that I should not forsake the assembling of the believers. He says, yeah, but is that what really it says? I mean, I can show you a verse over here where God says. I don't think that's really in the context, but okay. And then you end up doing this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Just, just write this down. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Word mammon means money. And I'm here to tell you, you think, you say, uh, well, I'm not falling down and worshiping Satan. Yeah, but you're falling down and worshiping money. You're falling down and worship Whatever you fall down and worship, if it's not God, it's wrong. The Bible says, in all things, he should have the preeminence. Go to Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 11. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. The last verse I want to show you in, in this passage, but I, I'm going to show you a few things just in conclusion, and, and we'll be done. Okay, we'll be done in the next three minutes, three to five minutes, all right? Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 11, okay? Then the devil leaveth him. Those are good words. And behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Okay, I want you to see this. We just saw Jesus go toe-to-toe with Satan. So I'm going to spiritual battle. Okay, we can learn from this. Now, you understand this. How did Jesus combat Satan? Look what he did. Okay, look, look at verse 4 again. But he answered and said... How did Jesus respond to Satan's temptations? But he answered and said... Look what he said. It is written. Then he quoted scripture. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 7. To the second temptation... Jesus responded, Jesus said unto him, It is written again. And then he quoted scripture, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Skip down to verse number 10. To the third temptation, Jesus said, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. Why? For it is written. And then he quoted scripture, scripture, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Go to James chapter 4. When you're going to, this is the last verse I'll have you look at. James chapter 4. Psalm 119.11 says this, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. How do you fight the devil? With God's word. How do you fight against him? You say, Pastor, I'm going to some spiritual warfare right now. You better get in that word. You better get in that Bible. And every time the tempter comes and tries to tell you that you're not saved, or that you need to worship Him, or that you need to give in to the desires of your flesh, you better have some verses to quote. How did, look, if Jesus felt it, that He needed to combat Satan by quoting Scripture, how much more do you and I need to quote Scripture to combat Satan? Do you understand? I mean, if, Jesus, if God in the flesh took the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and use that word to combat Satan. How much more do you and I better be in that Bible? Better be in that word. By the way, that's why at Ready Baptist Church, we, we, we do things like nine chapters a day. That's why we're constantly challenging, saying, hey, read the Bible. Read the Bible for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. How many preachers have you ever heard say, hey, like, look, don't just take my word for it. You check it out on your own. But that's what you need to do. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know why most of us sin? Because we don't even know what the Bible says. James chapter 4, verse 7. Now, you guys understand this, okay? Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then at the end of the little passage there, of the little battle, the Bible says that Satan left. James 4, 7, the Bible says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Now, look what it says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't be afraid of spiritual warfare. Don't be afraid to go into the wilderness. God says, you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Do you know that you, know you, you can't beat Satan on your own, but you and God can take anything on. Amen. 
We, we get this idea, if I have to go to battle with Satan, he's going to win. Look, if God be for us, who can be against us? If I've got the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and God on my side, look, if I resist the devil, I can't beat Satan. Do you understand that? I can't beat him. God will beat him one day and cast him into the lake of fire, but I can resist him and he'll flee from me. That's a promise from God. Now, don't be an idiot about it. Well, I'm going to go find myself a sale. I'm saying, yeah, don't do that. Try to stay away from it as much as possible. But when you're led of the Spirit into the wilderness, don't be afraid. Realize God is with you. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for allowing us to be able to go just verse by verse. Matthew chapter 4. Learning from the temptations of Christ. And he set as an example to show us how to properly do battle with Satan. Father, I pray you'd help us. There are people here tonight that tomorrow morning will get up, read their Bible, pray, ask God to fill them with His Spirit, and then be led to the wilderness to meet Satan. That's exactly where you want them. That's exactly where you want them to be. Help us to realize that if we rely on your word, the devil and he will flee from us. We don't have to lose every time we go to battle. Help us to realize that your word is there to help us. It is written, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We love you, Father. Help us to be in our Bible. Help us to be in the word. Help us to be memorizing, studying, learning, weakening our flesh and strengthening our spirit. Just name, I pray. Amen.